0: Father in heaven, you created family and you created love. And Lord, you know that in this day with our hectic schedules and the tension and the stress that we all experience, that family is caught in the crosshairs of pain and sorrow and difficulty. We pray together that you will teach us to be more kind, more considerate, more compassionate, and more caring. Help us, Lord, to be those who build and not tear down. And we pray, Heavenly Fathers, that there will be such a revival from You in the hearts of our people that the families will sense it, and it's there that they will realize Your presence as never before. Bless the children, Lord. Help them to grow up with an understanding of you and desire to serve you all of their days. And we pray for those who are longing to have children but have been unable at this point. Lord, we we pray that you will be with them and that your will would be done for them. And for those who are looking for that significant person in their lives, we pray that according to your time, You will bring that person to them and that they will consider that a gift from You and will treat that individual the way You want them treated for the rest of their lives. Lord, thank You. We ask now as we open Your Word that You will be the one who will teach us. And we thank You and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The story is told about two men who were traveling together. They left Los Angeles on an airline, and they were headed west, out in over the Pacific Ocean. They'd been flying for a number of hours, and the pilot announced that the plane was going down. It would just be a matter of a couple minutes, and it would impact upon the ocean. Well, there was a gasp, as you would anticipate, among the passengers. There was some shrieking and some terror. Then there was some silence as well, as people were contemplating, what does this mean? The one man leaned over to his friend and said, you know, this could be it, we may die. He said, right, I I know. And so he said, uh, "We, we ought to do something religious. And so his friend got up and when his friend got up he said what are you doing he said well I agree I'm gonna take an offering (laughs) well we laugh but yet in many people's minds that's what church has become they're always after our money that's all we hear about is money 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 why bother going to church they're just an organization that is continually grasping for what they can get, how they can fleece the flock. That's all church is about, and some people have experienced that in a very negative and sad way. But how does the Bible describe church? You see, for a number of weeks now, we've been on a journey. We're calling it Moving Forward Together. We first of all looked at the theology of together, And then we looked at what it meant to move forward together with God. And we talked about worshiping God and how to walk with God. Well, now we're shifting our sights a little bit and we're talking about how to be together, together. You know, what is the church about? What is it for? Why do we bother? How many of you have ever been offended by something somebody said in church? Let me see your hands the rest of you just aren't paying attention. (laughs) I mean, you think about it, church can be an awful place. You come and hang out with people, some you know, some you don't know, some you wish you didn't know, many you have nothing in common with, and you come seeking a blessing and you sit behind somebody who's getting a massage by their girlfriend, Someone else is cutting their nails and you can't believe it, and the rest are texting or carrying on, and you're thinking, My lands, why do I even come? You you know, why bother? What is church for? Well, we're gonna study that. The word church comes to us from the Greek word eklesia. It's two words actually. Ek means out. And kaleo means to call. So the church literally means the called out ones. And that sounds wonderful. We feel good about that. We're called out of the world. We're in God's presence. We're the called out ones. But before you get too excited about it, understand this, that in the etiology of the word, ecclesia did not mean church for centuries before Christianity came along. Here's what it used to mean. In secular Greek it meant a gathering of citizens to discuss the affairs of state. It was a political assembly, and they would get together and debate and argue. Well, I would like to propose to you that Without the Holy Spirit of God, that's just about what church is. A debate and an argument as people are jockeying for political position and place and favor and to be seen and heard and their way and and so forth and so on. So maybe the called out ones is a proper name. But without the Holy Spirit, it's just a group of people. Just a group of people fighting and fussing and carrying on, pushing their own agenda upon each other. But with the Holy Spirit, the church is something that is alive, something that is holy, something that is so sacred, Jesus calls the church His bride. What what could that mean? And how do we relate to that? So, we're going to be spending some time as we move forward together. We're going to be looking at the church. Let's go to the Gospel of John today. We're continuing the story of Jesus talking to this woman, this Samaritan woman, and we've been here a number of weeks. If you'd like to know the history of this conversation and who this woman is and why they're talking, please get uh, the last couple weeks' sermons. You can get a copy of them right out in the lobby. John chapter 4 verse 28. The woman left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In this conversation, Jesus revealed to this woman he knew things about her that she knew he didn't know anything about. She didn't say anything about it. She knows he doesn't know her. He's never met, they've never met before, but this guy knows things about her that only God could know. He is God, of course he knows it. And by the way, there's nothing God knows, or there's nothing you've ever done, nothing you ever will do, that God doesn't already know. He still loves you, Don't be afraid to go to him with your sins and confess them. He already knows. You're not telling him a thing. You're just admitting what he already knows. So this woman, impressed by what Jesus knew about her, ran into the city. And she began to share with everybody there, Come, hear this man. Could this be the Christ? Now Christ means the anointed one. She's saying, could this be the Savior we've heard about? Could it be Him? Why not Him? Never met anybody like Him before. So she shares her experience. And the people are intrigued by what she has to say, and they follow her back to Him. They go to where He is. They listen to His words. They decide they want to be with Him and many more believed. Let's read it. Acts, or excuse me, John 4, verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in Him because of the word of the woman who testified, He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to Him, they urged Him to stay with them. And He stayed there three days. And many more believed because of His own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we have heard for ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world." This woman shared what she had seen and heard. This woman shared with whoever would listen, and they believed on some level. They came and heard the Word of God spoken and they were moved and they became believers. This simple process is the church. That's the church. Why do we gather together? Why are we here today? Did you come looking for someone? Did you come hoping to have an experience? Did you come to appease another? Why did you come today? If we are truly the New Testament church, you came here today to hear the Word of God. Because in hearing the Word of God, that is where our lives are changed. It is in ex- it's in experiencing God through His Word that we have this eternal perspective. Let's see the church born. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, a very familiar story, yet always fun to look at. Acts chapter 2, we begin with verse 1. Now when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, 50 days after the Passover, Jesus has already died. He's been raised from the dead, he's gone to heaven. He walked with his followers for about 40 days, he's been gone for about 10. And they're together praying. This wind comes blowing. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak with other tongues. Now verse 5 says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Why did those people gather together? You know, Jesus had told the apostles that they were to be witnesses of His in Judea, Samaria, and all the world. So, they're thinking about that. They're wondering how that's going to happen. But Jesus said, don't do a thing until the Holy Spirit is poured out upon you. So they're not doing anything. But let me ask you something. Where did the crowd come from on that day? Where did it come from? How many brochures did they send out inviting people to come to the meetings? They didn't send out any. God made a noise and people followed that noise. And when they got there, what did they do? They started asking questions and here's what happened. Look what happens. Go to Acts 2 verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. What does Peter do? He preaches a sermon. Got a crowd gathered in the name of the Lord, because he's the one who brought them. What does he do? He preaches the word of God to them. And what is the result? Look at verse 37. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Folks, that's preaching. That's what God can do. That's what God wants to do. God does not love our generation any less than He loved that generation. He wants the whole world saved. He is unwilling that any would be lost. But why do we not have that type of phenomena amongst us today? It's a serious question. I think part of the problem is our understanding of church. You see, in the Bible, church means several things. Church can mean a particular assembly of people, like us. This is a church. Church can also mean in a community, there may be seven or eight of those assemblies, they're called the church. And church can also mean the universal church which is every single person who's accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, the body of Christ. Regardless of the sign on the door. Could it be that our attempts to brand a market we have lost focus that the emphasis is on Jesus Christ and the gospel and not a tenet of practices and beliefs. Could it be that God is just waiting for us to stop the game? Here's what I mean by the game. We get together. We plan. We order our brochures. We do whatever we can. And we, of course, ask God to bless When are we going to come to the point where we realize if it's going to happen, it's going to happen from God, let's just do nothing until God does something. And I mean we are praying, God what are you going to do? We can't do this. It's beyond us. This work is God's work, it is not our work. If every single Christian on earth just gave it up, walked away from it, God's Word would still go forward. Jesus said in His day, look, the children were singing praises to Him. And the priest said, get them to stop. And Jesus said, I'll tell you, if they stop, the rocks themselves will cry out. God will have His witness, God will have His voice. What we've got to do is make sure we understand that our role is participating. Our role is not the lead. And it's time we let God be God. 3,000 people. You know, we boast 12 years ago when we started that, uh, you know, we had about 150 people 13 years ago. And uh, we're up to 1,600. You know, we're just over 100 people a year coming into our church. Compare that with 3,000 in one sermon. But Peter's not done. He's not done. Look at… Uh, let's, let's go to Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Acts 3, verse 1 Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. They're going up to the temple to pray, and there's a lame man. And the lame man is begging. And uh, Peter and John say, Look, silver and gold, we, we don't have any of that. We're poor as church mice. But what we do have, we're going to give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man stood up, and he started to walk. Now that got a crowd. And they gathered around. And they began to ask questions. Verse 11, same chapter. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Peter starts to preach his second sermon. Now, that sermon is so effective and so powerful and so moving that Peter and John are going to get arrested because of it. Let's go on down. Chapter 4, verse 1. Now, as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, Many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Peter's preached two sermons and there's 8,000 people now. I tell you, that's what God can do. God can do that. We can't. We can't do it. Young pastor... I was told, okay, fill out these forms, and part of the forms were how many baptisms was I planning on having this next year. We've got these dinky little churches where it's everything you can do to keep people awake when you preach. They're so old. I'm not sure they even know where they are when they're there. How many baptisms? My brother-in-law was a pastor too, and he says, you know, the odd thing about this, we write down a number. And if the Holy Spirit's not with us, we don't stand a chance of getting that number. If the Holy Spirit is with us, why are we limiting Him to that number? And unfortunately, church organization could be an organization for anything on some levels. You know, rah-rah meetings, come on, we got the message, we got the, yeah, 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 let's go, yeah, yeah, yeah. This reminds me of the story of Fido Dog Food. They had all their salespeople together, the whole company together, and they had a big rah-rah session, and Everybody's excited. Who's got the best sales force in the dog food industry? Fido dog food. Who's got the best program to reward their sales? Fido dog food. Who's got the best retirement? Fido dog food. Yay, yay. Then why the 15 leading dog food companies? We're number 15 for sales. The back of the building there was a lone voice that said, the dogs don't like it. <laughs> we, we can't plan God. We've got to let God be God. And I'm, I'm just reminded of the Israelites, when they gathered at Sinai in chapter 19 of Exodus, they said, all that you've said, God, we're going to do. And it was just months later they're dancing and worshiping that golden calf. Listen, folks, we're involved in a supernatural thing. We can participate, and I'm going to share with you how, but we are not driving this bus. And the more we try to, the longer we're just going to delay what God is wanting to do. I think when we just humble ourselves before Him and say, God, okay, we've tried it. Here's the results. What are you going to do? I think two sermons, 8,000 people, again. He loves our generation just as much as He loves that or loved that generation. And what if one of those kids or one of those persons was your child? Isn't that what we've been praying for? Isn't that what we've been longing for? Well, they get arrested. Let's go to chapter 4, verse 5. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. You are talking about the who's who of what's what in Jerusalem. These guys are the big kahunas. They are the big wigs. They're everybody. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people of elders of Israel, his third sermon. He's preaching it to the tribunal. They get upset and tell him not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. You read it in verse 18. And they called him and commanded him not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Watch the response. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. That's preaching. And folks, that means all of us. You don't have to stand here to be a preacher. That lady in Samaria went and shared what she had seen and heard. Now, how many of you have ever had an experience where you knew it was God blessing you? Let me see your hands. See, every one of you has a story. This week, I want to challenge you to enjoy something that's just unbelievable. That is, every morning when you get up, you pray this prayer, Lord, today, if there's somebody, somewhere, in the proper place, proper time, that you want me to share what you've done for me in my life, please lead me to them. Sometime this week, God's going to lead you to that person, and you're going to share what God has done. And let me tell you something, the world is a dark, dark place, and if people don't have the concept of God, they're, they're not filled with hope. And you have an opportunity to touch them in a way you can't imagine. I've been taking a class, same group of people, started last uh, fall, still in it now, 20 of us. So they figured out I'm a pastor and they're starting to talk to me. I want you to know I don't have an answer for their lives the difficulties they're facing with the children that are on drugs and all that. I I don't have an answer for all that. But I know God does. And I just share with them that God cares for them. God loves them. And I have prayed for them. Do you know how many people there are that have never heard their name mentioned in a prayer? It's unbelievable. We have an opportunity to give somebody hope. Now, you might be thinking, but so many people don't even believe in God. Let me tell you a truth. We're going to deal with this logically. There is not a single person on earth living today that is a true atheist. You may wonder how I know that, just pure logic. Watch this. If I came from nothing and I am going nowhere and I am basically a nobody, I am just a chemical thing, why in the world would I struggle through the difficulties of life? I would take my life if truly I believed I am nothing came from nothing, and I'm going nowhere, I would take my life. People are not taking their lives. Some do. Most are not. They claim to be atheists, whatever. They're not. Because intrinsically, intuitively, they know there's something out there. They're not sure what it is, but they're holding on until they find out. That's where we come in. We can share that there is a God. How do you know? Here's what I've seen. Here's what I've experienced. I cannot prove God, but man, he's proved himself to me. It's like the little boy that was selling apples. He had a cart of apples. And this big thinking man came by, thought he'd trick the boy. He said, son, I'll give you an apple if you can tell me where God is. The little boy looked up and said, sir… I'll give you this whole cart of apples if you can tell me where he is not. God is everywhere. And he is working on every heart. And we might be shocked how our story, how our experience, how sliding on the icy roads we said a prayer and suddenly got traction and didn't go over the cliff. Folks, those stories are real. I had somebody show me pictures this morning. They're they're tire tracks. That's real. That happens. And that's not Peter standing up and 8,000 being baptized, but it's being used by God. Now, the story goes on. They continue preaching. They get arrested. And it's fun to follow the story. You can read it in Acts chapter 5. All 12 of the apostles are put in church. Man, the devil's so excited. It's a coup. He's got all of them. They're all in prison. Now the church will be muted. Now the church will be silent. Now it's over. And while they're in prison, the Sanhedrin council and all those high… People are over here plotting and planning how they're going to destroy them and how they're going to keep them in prison and all that kind of stuff. An angel comes, opens the prison bars. The twelve go out, and the angel says, now, go back to the temple and start preaching. And they did. And the next day, when the council met, they said, go get them. And the word came back. They're not there. Well, where are they? They're back preaching again. The word of God preached is what held the church together it's what drove the church it's what brought the people because here's how it works if you hear something in a sermon that touches you get a copy of it give it to somebody else and say this I thought of you when I heard this share it with them hey if they don't like it What's it to you? I'm the one that said it. If they do like it, share another one. Just don't share a dozen of them. We've discovered over time that's too many. Just one. That's all. And you know, maybe at some point, they'll even want to come to church with you. That's how it worked in the New Testament days. That's how it's going to work in our day as well. So the apostles shared their experience. People wanted to hear more. They kept coming. John the Baptist came preaching. Jesus came preaching. And then the church came preaching. Look at 1, John, or 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is our last passage. And you can go home and have lunch. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. The foolishness of preaching. For the Jews request a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness. What drove the church? Christ crucified. That drove the church. They weren't different brands. That was splitting the church. We've got to get back to the basics, folks. It is all about Jesus. It is all about Him but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. How does the Bible describe church? Well, we're going to learn more, but what we do know this. The church was born on an invitation. Somebody met Jesus, invited someone to come meet them themselves. Then Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, brought a crowd of people. Peter preached. 3,000 preaches again. Another 5,000 preaches to those that arrested him. You can't stop Peter from preaching. Why? Because he's just sharing what he's seen and what he's heard. And that's all God's asking us to do. Has God moved in your life? Has God blessed you in your life? Then you're a perfect candidate to be used by Him to change another person's life. You see, folks, it won't be long and Jesus will return. But He's going to do all the stuff to prepare the world for that. We can't do that. He's going to take care of that. But what a day that's going to be. You know, Jesus Himself, brighter than a thousand noonday suns, the Father in all His glory, all the angels with Him, Islands fallen into the sea, mountains falling down, and then Jesus will call the dead to life. And we'll be caught up together to meet Him in the air. And do you know what we're going to do throughout eternity? We're going to be talking about what we saw and what we heard. And I'm wondering if there's anybody here today who would like to ask the Lord to fill them with His Spirit so they could share what they've seen and what they've heard. Is there anyone here? If you would like to say to God, Lord, please fill me with Your Spirit and give me wisdom to share what I've seen and heard, if you want to say that, just stand right where you're at.